Thank you. The meeting is now live. Good evening. Welcome to the April 3rd, 2023 Sacramento Youth Commission regular business meeting. The meeting is now called to, called to order. Will the clerk please call roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Bisrat? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fitt? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fong is currently absent. Commissioner Miller Segura? Present. Thank you so much. Commissioner Morley is currently absent. Commissioner Mukador? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Abolu is currently absent. Commissioner Patel? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Urban is currently absent. And Vice Chair Sue? Present. Thank you, we have a quorum. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period, uh, for, confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. Uh, if you are online, click the raise hand button on the bottom of your screen. Um, in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then unmute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you're called on. After the first speaker, you will, we will no longer expect speakers, accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin and Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Ranchera, Sacramento, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Uh, please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any public comment in chambers. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay, cool. Um, is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar? Motion. Second. Um, I have a motion by Commissioner Segura and a second by Commissioner Stormy. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Yes, thank you, Chair. 
Commissioner Bissrat? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fitt? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fong is currently absent. Commissioner Miller Segura? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Morley is currently absent. Oh, aye. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. Okay, thank you. So, Commissioner Mukadar? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Obolu is currently absent. Commissioner Patel? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Urban is currently absent. And Vice Chair Sue? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. We will now proceed to, this, to the discussion calendar. Item number two is the overview of the Aggie Square project and input for youth involvement. Is there a staff presentation? Yeah, y'all are good. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, we are here on behalf of the Aggie Square project. Um, we came last year and would like to brief all of our new commissioners here on the project that's happening on Stockton um, Boulevard over by the UC Davis Health Campus. Um, as you can see, the first slide is already wrong. We are not in 2021, we are in 2023. So, thank you, sorry about that. All right, so we're gonna talk about a couple of things today. The goal for conversation with you as the youth commissioners um, will be future participation and how you see um, youth role, and I will let Travis speak to that. My name is Mary Mumper. I'm the project coordinator for Aggie Square here on behalf of the Aggie Square team. Um, we'll go into the project overview, the city's role in the project, and project elements. So what is Aggie Square? We are a biomedical innovation hub on the Sacramento UC Davis Health Campus. We are um, building phase one, and that is a 1.2 million square feet project consisting of five buildings and one parking structure. It will have uses um, by tenants from both UC Davis and private industry with space for um, residential students and um, open community space. And the total cost of this project is $1.1 billion. So this would have looked a little different the last time we came to present last February. This was a flat parking lot. They are currently decking out floor seven. You're staring at the first two buildings. On the right is the lifelong learning building and on the left is the life sciences east building. And you'll see a little strip of dirt just behind the lifelong learning building. That is the um, groundbreaking there for uh, parking structure six. So where are we now? We are currently in the implementation phase. We spent the last four years, 2018 to 2022, in project planning. We've passed um, a lot of our programs through our um, UC Regents for approvals. We've worked with our city partners on some agreements, and we've selected our developer, Wexford Science and Technology. So we are currently, as you saw in the previous um, slide there, building upwards. So construction has begun. We are working on the programming and those uses going into those buildings. And we will also talk a little bit about the Community Benefits Partnership Agreement um, that we are working to um, fulfill. 
So doors are targeted to open in 2025, um, and future activation phase will be how that space is used in the future. So Aggie Square is a place, and it's a place in which partnerships are made between the university, private industry, and community. And it allows this um, space for them to come and live amongst each other, work amongst each other, and run in to each other and create um, intentional, innovative collaborations. So um, this is a space that will be heavily activated, and um, I will show you um, the next um, goals in creating all of these things. It started with advancing the university. So it came out as an idea. We needed more research space. We needed more entrepreneurship um, space. And that is where we turned to look for help. So we wanted to um, use this for good. How do we do that? Well, propelling economic development and industry partnerships to create things, create things that could save people and change lives. So um, as a university, we look to city partners. We wanted to make intentional um, relationships and contribute to building more resilient communities. Um, in doing so, with our Wexford partners who really thrive in this environment, they create um, these innovation districts all over the, uh, the country here. So um, creating shared public spaces and sustainable environments. So here we're looking at our campus in the upper left corner, you'll see our hospital and down Stockton Boulevard between 2nd Avenue and 3rd Avenue. 3rd Avenue will be a new street. Um, you'll see our buildings here, um, and that is Aggie Square. Calling out those buildings specifically, you'll see starting from the left, the mixed-use residential building. That is where the student housing will be. We will have 47 uh, units that are leased out for undergraduate students. I will talk more about that in just a second. We've got a standalone building, a little small jewel box building on the square um, that will have pu some public-facing uses. Life science technology east um, and engineering east and west buildings. Um, and then the east building is connected to the lifelong learning building by a shared lobby. Also off to the right there is our parking structure again. So the academic impact. In each of these buildings, we've got certain uses. So life science, technology, and engineering buildings. Those are focused around certain cores of technology, science, um, around neuroscience, regenerative medicine, um, just to name a few, of course. Um, the list is long. I can get you that later. <laughs> Uh, lifelong learning, we've got our teaching center, continuing professional educations, think classroom, dry lab space, um, lots of collaborations, public scholarship and engagement, and we will also have a community engagement hub on the first floor. Mixed-use residential, as I mentioned, is uh, student housing, that jewel box building on the square and first floor across lifelong learning and the mixed-use residential. Um, we're looking at other programming uses that could be uh, public-facing. Uh, quarter at Aggie Square. So when we're talking about undergraduate students coming out living at Aggie Square, um, we're encouraging them to go abroad in a sense. And instead of going abroad for a semester, it's a quarter. And it is a quarter in Sacramento. So our Davis campus is 20 miles away. Um, these are programs in various cores, as you can see on the right-hand side, um, of biomedical engineering, transformative justice. And they partner with local community um, organizations around the Sacramento area where they partner to do work, they'll do their course load, and they'll take all of their classes right there in Sacramento. So we've been able to start that ahead of time. As you can see by the dates, we started this in 2021, really targeting how do we get these students in Davis from their campus into the urban environment of Sacramento. So um, college town to urban environment. 
And it's really paid off. Students are really interested. There's different programs. A lot of faculty are looking at how they can partner and um, find different programming for these students. So I will pause there. I will turn it over to Travis. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is Travis Sheridan. I'm the senior vice president and chief community officer for Wexford Science and Technology, the developer that's working on the project with UC Davis and the city of, of Sacramento. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the innovation impacts and the innovation elements that Wexford infuses into a project like this. Uh, these are the results of a number of community meetings that date back all the way to early 2020 when we first became involved in the project. And the thing that I always like to emphasize is that every city is different. And so uh, when we put together a, an innovation district like this, we don't, uh, it's not a cookie cutter. It is unique to the attributes and the challenges and the strengths of a, of a particular region, and I think Sacramento is well positioned for this. When we look at our, what we refer to as our innovation infrastructure, there's, there's three core elements. Uh, one is the Connect Labs. It's this flexible space, both co-working space and flexible lab space for early stage uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we make a commitment in every one of our markets to uh, also put programs together so that underrepresented entrepreneurs can come together as a cohort and participate in, this, in these programs so they can move their ventures forward as well. It's not just for the biosciences. It's really, uh, as I say, uh, there's a fine line between being an entrepreneur and a hustler. Uh, so people that are working on their side hustle or, or doing some digital media and want to advance that career, uh, they have an opportunity to work within the Connect Labs. The second pillar of our innovation infrastructure is our programming. Uh, we do very heavy programming that is free and open to the public. Uh, we notice that about 80% of the people that participate are from the surrounding area, and the other 20% are from a little bit further out. Uh, and with Aggie Square, we heard from our elected officials and many of the youth commissioners in a previous meeting the interest in having uh, young youth STEM-related program or STEAM-related programming on a, at least on a monthly basis. Um, what we do, though, is we don't have youth programming separate from what we might call standard or adult programming. We really believe that there's an opportunity to uh, have a mix. Um, it's very similar. I, I've heard, I heard somebody say it this way. If you came over to my house for Thanksgiving, there's not a kid's table and a, an adult table. All are welcome to sit around the same table. And so when we do our youth-oriented STEAM program, programming, we try to incorporate it so that uh, the young people and the adults can inter intermingle and learn from each other. And I do mean learn from each other. There's a number of times that, uh, that the more senior participants learn from the younger participants. The last piece of this innovation in infrastructure really are our community resources. Uh, Leslie is going to go into the community benefit partnership agreement a little bit more, but there's two pieces that I wanted to focus on related to our infrastructure. Uh, part of that is the uh, public access to space. As Mary shared, the ground floor is very open. So we have a civic lounge in which the community can come and just work out of that space at no cost uh, during regular business hours and even on the weekends. Uh, we want to make sure that they uh, have a sense of belonging and feel like this is their, part of their community as well. The last piece is a community fund where we contribute a portion of dollars every year over a the life of the ground lease, which is probably 65 or 70 years. And the community, uh, there's a community partnership uh, committee that's put together, and they get to prioritize how those funds are used. We feel that's important because on day one, an issue like transportation might be important. But by year five, an issue like workforce development, or by year seven, it could be housing. And if we become too rigid and don't allow the community to be uh, res uh, reflect what their needs are as their needs change, then we could be solving for something that may be false. And so we really want to, I, I find there's two things that are important when you bring the community together. You have to give them agency, meaning a voice and a real voice, and you have to give them resources. Uh, without both of those things, then it really falls apart. 
And then do you want me to talk about this one as well? Yes, okay. We marry this, because uh, it says UC Davis, so I, want to make, I don't always say things when they say UC Davis. We marry what we bring with what UC Davis brings uh, related to inno innovation as well. So in, that, in those buildings, UC Davis will have a makerspace and maker's lab. Uh, there's, they're going to have their own university-based accelerator programs uh, and to support startups. Uh, a number of teaching and learning spaces. Again, the, one of the buildings is literally called Lifelong Learning so that uh, we can really infuse that next generation of learners and, and get them inspired. And the Community Engagement Center, uh, I think that that's going to be such a nice uh, addition because there are a number of people that will that look for a way to engage with UC Davis, but it is a large academic institution. And so uh, Aggie Square is really going to provide that front door so people can learn more about what resources the university provides. And with that, I'll turn it over to Leslie Fritchie from the city of Sacramento. Hi, you guys. I'm sorry. I always kind of stand on my tiptoes here at this podium. But uh, as uh, Travis uh, indicated, my name is Leslie Fritchie. I work here uh, for the city in the Office of Innovation and Economic Development. And I'm here to talk about, um, you know, what... Wex, what Wexford and Travis talked about and what Mary talked about are the things that are going to occur on the campus, right? Um, but as we were working forward, or, whoops, when, as we were building the program, we realized that to really make uh, Aggie Square a success, it had to be a success for the whole community. So um, for first time ever, we actually entered into what was called a community benefits partnership agreement, uh, and that was with UC Davis, the city, uh, and Wexford to talk about how we can make sure there's really strong linkages between the needs of the community, the Oak Park area, for example, which is just on the doorstep of Aggie Square, and uh, the benefits that will accrue from Aggie Square. So uh, we, um, really focused on a number of different areas and the community benefits partnership agreement came forward at the same time when uh, the city approved some funding for Aggie Square. And the areas that were included in the CBPA are affordable housing, the community fund, which uh, Travis just talked about, jobs, transportation, local business opportunities, youth opportunities, and then community access to some of the programs uh, that Travis and Mary were mentioning. So I'll drill down a little bit on what some of the progress and some of the areas of the CBPA and what we've been working on. Uh, there was a pledge in that community benefits agreement that there would be $50 million spent for affordable housing in the areas around uh, Aggie Square. Well, I am pleased to say that right now we have allocated 46 million of that $50 million. And what that will do is result in about 1,200 new affordable housing units to be built in the area um, around Aggie Square, along the Stockton Boulevard corridor, and in Oak Park. So these are new housing um, units that will be affordable uh, for folks in the area or fo folks moving into the area. In addition to that, we um, have actually launched, launched some programs for anti-displacement. You know, people were very concerned when the Aggie Square project came up that, you know what, this is a great project, looks good, but what are the impacts going to be in my neighborhood? So the city um, and our partners have made a very conscious effort to develop a number of different programs to help address what some concerns are uh, for anti-displacement. So we have just uh, launched uh, about 
a little over $2 million of $10 million program. And I'll kind of talk about what each of those areas are because I think it's pretty significant. Um, there's funding that's gonna go for home repair um, for uh, folks in the neighborhood, um, housing stability. So for example, sometimes people are really on the edge of, of becoming homeless with a utility bill or a uh, tax bill that they don't expect or their car breaks down. So we actually have uh, partnered with two different nonprofit providers to provide funding for some of those emergency kind of needs to help people stay in their houses. In addition to that, we are also launching a first time home buyer program because a lot of people feel like they're going to be um, have to leave the neighborhood because the rents continue to go up as they go up everywhere across across Sacramento and across the entire state. But um, there's a desire that maybe if you know folks can have an opportunity to be a first time home buyer in the neighborhood, that'll solidify their future. So we're um, launching a first time home buyer program. So those programs are just starting. I, we've allocated two million of a ten million dollar pot to get those started. So we're really pretty excited about those. Uh, in addition to that, um, there are a number of things in the jobs and job training area. Um, Mary showed the picture of that of, of those buildings coming up out of the ground. Well, in the Community Benefit Partnership Agreement, there was an agreement that uh, 50 new apprenticeships need for, that were working on Aggie Score had to come from the local community. And they've made a lot of strides towards that goal. About 50% of those apprentices have already been hired from the four local zip codes right around Aggie Square. And uh, then there's gonna be opportunities when Aggie Square gets developed. Um, so we're working on some job training programs. And then also working with UC Davis um, Health Campus now because um, that's a, an opportunity where there's employment on a day-to-day -day basis. So really trying to make those connections moving forward. Travis mentioned the community fund, so I don't need to spend much um, more time talking about that. But also um, this next one, it's transportation and safety. We are very um, moving forward with a number of programs to improve Stockton Boulevard, to um, potentially add a bus rapid transit lane, to um, actually make some improvements to curbs, gutters, sidewalks, street lamps, intersections like Broadway and Stockton. If you know that intersection very well as I do, uh, it's kind of hard to get across that street. So we're looking at making improvements to Broadway and Stockton. And then as part of the UC Davis efforts as they're working on Aggie Square and the new California Towers, they'll be looking at internal circulations and how they can effectively uh, work in the neighborhood context to make sure that there's good pedestrian access, bicycle access, and vehicular access, which won't you know, interrupt too much the, the flow in the neighborhoods themselves. So we are very anxious to uh, work on an ongoing basis with uh, the neighborhoods, the communities. Uh, we've been working with a group called Sacramento Investment Without Displacement on the implementation of a lot of these programs. And we plan on continuing that work over the course of the next years and beyond. The community fund, which Travis mentioned, is something that's gonna be an ongoing funding source to make sure that there's um, money that flows from those tenancies at Aggie Square that can be used for community uh, improvements, community programming, and that those types of efforts will be set by the community as we move forward. So that's a community benefit partnership agreement. I distilled down in five minutes what it took us, I think, uh, 
18 months to put together, but uh, we're really hoping that uh, groups like yours can hold us accountable and make sure that uh, we're um, making true on those things that we said we would do. So I thank you for your time, and I think I'm going to turn it back. We wanted to share uh, this brief video that, uh, that shows a little bit more about Aggie Square. It's a, a visit that uh, Chancellor May just recently took, uh, and it's part of uh, his, his series that he does. Uh, and as we show this as, in closing, I want to just make one other offer and ask for the, uh, to, to the commissioners. And that is, uh, we made a commitment to uh, do youth-related engagement and programming at least twice a year. And there's ways that we can do it, uh, but we're all, uh, Except for Mary, uh, we're not as cool and don't really know how to speak youth that well. Um, and so we wanted to make, last year in the, when there was an ad hoc environment, uh, there was an ad hoc committee that was put together by the, of youth commissioners that led a number, of, uh, one of the sessions for us. We know that the structure has changed now. We want to be respectful of that. But we would love to invite uh, the, co the commissioners to consider uh, when we look at these youth programs to play a very active role in those. I mean, to the point that we would be willing to turn over the agenda to you and let you set the agenda for what gets discussed. Because as we are building this, we're building it for your generation, right? You're the ones that are going to grow up and continue to raise families in this neighborhood. You're the ones that are going to work in, in districts like Aggie Square. You're the ones maybe one day your kids are gonna be getting internships within Aggie Square. And so we, as we look at our youth programming and youth engagement, especially related to informing people about what opportunities exist within Aggie Square. We just want to make an offer to you to consider uh, whether it's a formal committee or whatever structure you feel is, is best to be involved because we do value your voices. And with that, we'll short a uh, short video. Today I'm visiting the Aggie Square construction site to check on our progress. Aggie Square is our new innovation hub for undergraduates, graduate students, faculty, staff, and the neighboring communities. It's a partnership with the City of Sacramento and will open in early 2025. Aggie Square is expected to add nearly $5 billion a year to the economy of the Sacramento region and generate 25,000 jobs. Exciting stuff. Hi, Claire. Hi, Councilor May. How are you? Good, and you? Good, good to see you. Welcome to the site. We're so excited to show you. We are all the way up to seven stories. Wow, So that is exciting. If you're ready, we can put on a hard hat and some sure. vests and get you up to the site. Okay. This is the grand gallery that separates Aggie Square proper mm -hmm. from the nature preserve and the parking deck behind us. Mm -hmm. So we've got our innovation hall behind us, which has public facing um, event space, conference space, open seating, yeah. and then above it through the communicating stair that you see a hole in the ground for, yeah. that's where we have our large assembly event space. Okay, great. All right, let's go up and see it from above. All right, let's do it. <laughs> my favorite part of the tour was, in addition to putting on my hard hat and boots, it was climbing the ladder to go up to the very top of the structure and stepping on the rebar and pretending like I'm a real construction guy. It looks just like it looks in the drawings that I've seen. I can see where the, the buildings are going to be uh, placed and it's exactly like we envisioned it and I, I can't wait to see it finished.
know if we can go back to the slideshow. Can I do that from here? I can. All right. Um, so a way to stay involved with us, I hope you enjoyed that video. A way to stay involved with us is uh, through our monthly newsletter. Please feel free to submit um, your information, your email. Um, we send out a monthly newsletter with the latest. Um, our contact information is available for you here. Please reach out to us with any questions. And that leads me to my last slide here. Any Q&A that we can um, go over with you today. Thank you for the presentation. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Cool. Um, any commissioners that would like to speak on this item? Um, Commissioner Bisbat? Um, firstly, I would like to say thank you for your presentation. I think that this project is a really wonderful thing to provide back to the community. Um, I love everything that you guys talked about, especially with community enrichment and the anti-displacement um, things that you guys are doing. I think that's really wonderful. Um, I don't really have a question per se, but really some, um, maybe some helpful like piece of advice. Um, I know that the proximity of this to Oak Park um, would give you guys some better access to the creative minds that are very present in Oak Park. Um, I know that this one organization says, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, they work alongside UC Davis to cultivate specifically creative minds regarding poetry in the black community. And um, I think that there is some sort of distance between SES and UC Davis at times. I know as a SES um, participant, I haven't really felt um, as much one-on-one -on -one connection with UC Davis. And I think that um, providing such a space for um, creative minds to maybe um, join, like come on the area that you guys are working on, um, use the open space that you guys are using for poetry slams or stuff like that would help make UC Davis a much larger um, ally with those who live in Oak Park. And um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you. Commissioner Patel. Thank you for your presentation. I um, appreciated how you discussed the importance of the youth voice in this project. My question is, what are some ways that um, local youth on the commission and youth who are not on the commission can be involved in decisions and make their voices heard not just once Aggie Square is open, but also as it's being built. Sure. Uh, one of the things that we mentioned was that uh, the Aggie Square Community Partnership, which is a committee that we're putting together. Uh, it is comprised of the seats, the people that will sit around that committee. We have uh, seats for uh, each of the neighborhoods that are around Aggie Square. Uh, actually, in this case, we're doing something different that we've never done in any city, and that is we're putting a youth seat on there as well. And so the neighborhoods will uh, identify one youth voice to be, to have a seat and have an equal vote as everybody else. That's part of the ongoing commitment. Uh, of, and, and, and that we're putting that in place before the buildings open, and it'll be in place long after the buildings are uh, are constructed. And so that's one area where we are 
putting a systemic change in place so that there's a long-term opportunity for youth to have a seat. The other piece, and uh, I will, this will echo in line with uh, uh, Commissioner Brissett's uh, comment, is when we look at the, the programming that goes on within Aggie Square, uh, we often will put together, not, it's not a formal committee, but we will usually put together uh, some type of recurring committee specifically around programming. Uh, and that is, when I remember when we did this in a market like St. Louis, we had folks from the university there, and we had folks from the arts community there, and we had some bioscientists there as well. It really is that mix of different industries coming together. What we haven't done a good job of in the past, and again, I think Sacramento is where we're able to change what we've done in the past and actually set a better foundation going forward, is oftentimes the people that filled those seats, uh, while there might have been a college student on there, we didn't have anybody really younger than, I would say, 22 on, on those in, driving the programming. However, we would always say, well, come to our programming, and then the people under 22 would come and say, this isn't fun. Who told you that we would like this? So, you know, having, being responsive to, uh, to the users and the, uh, the, the groups that we want to be there, have there means we have to give them an, ac an actual voice. The last thing I'll mention, and this is something that we have done, and it, it does pay off really well, one of the things that we love to do when we do have the innovation programming taking, uh, happening is to have youth-led programming. Now, this is, uh, what we have found is there are not many, outside of instant, uh, situations like this, there aren't a lot of places where young people are given a lectern or a podium and positioned as thought leaders. We want to, if there are things that, that young people know that other people don't know, there's ways that you view the world that other people don't view the world. And so if there are opportunities uh, for you to share some of that thought leadership in a room of people of mixed ages, then we, we find that our, a lot of our innovation programming is about democratizing knowledge. And we often say that people that come are all contributors. Everybody has something to contribute. It's not a financial contribution, but it's the talent that you bring. And so that, uh, Commissioner Patel, those are some of the ways that we would engage. So thanks for that question. Commissioner Segura. Um, in regards to diversifying not only um, age groups, but also just in general with the people that you do um, like plan to welcome into having a voice within this project, um, how do you, do you have, um, sorry, do you have an informal or formal plan on how you plan to do that? Um, like not, again, not just with ages, but also like with race, sexuality, um, gender of all aspects, so all voices are heard. Yeah, there's two ways that we approach that. One, one of the reasons why we put the, uh, the, the partnership committee together based on neighborhoods is because different people groups tend to cluster in different neighborhoods, right? And so uh, while that's not always the case, there is a higher propensity that if we are, as long as we have a, di a diverse set of neighborhoods, the likelihood of having a diverse set of voices is much greater. Now, we're not leaving that to chance. There's some uh, social engineering that will go into play so that we can accomplish that, but that's, that's one of our, our methods. Uh, the other thing that we have seen uh, is by doing things that are a bit unusual, and I'll use this as, as an example about bringing diverse voices into the room. We had an event uh, in one of our innovation districts where the entire theme that night was risk. Uh, and so you're thinking, okay, we're going to talk about the risks of starting your own business. That makes a lot of sense. But my favorite panel, my favorite discussion was where an, a lawyer and an acrobat sat side by side giving a, giving a talk about what risk looks like from their perspective. And I will tell you, a third of the people were there to see the lawyer, a third were there to see the acrobat, and probably a third were there to see what kind of mess was going to be made having those two people together. But, uh, but we, we find that if, if we do creative programming like that, uh, we've had programs such as what is the innovation community's response to gun violence? Um, 
I live in, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, in uh, August of 2014, it was when Michael Brown was killed. We led a whole series of programs related, to, I think for about eight to 12 weeks, related to what's the innovation community's response to racial equity and social justice. Uh, what, we tr what we attempt to do is say that no topic is off the table, and every, every social problem has an innovative solution that, that is worthy of discussion. Uh, and so those are some of the strategies that we use to make sure that different voices are, are there all the time. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Okay, cool. Um, I'll give my comment now. Um, I think I'm the only one here who was a part of the previous meeting and seeing that y'all actually incorporated like the youth programming and stuff that we talked to the kids from um, the Language Academy from, that was like really cool and I really appreciate that because I'm gonna be honest, I was a little bit doubtful of whether <laughs> that kind of stuff was gonna be incorporated um, into the, like um, into the actual thing, but I, I really appreciate that um, y'all did that because I think um, we got a lot of really valuable feedback um, from those kids, and I think it was it was just like a really great event. Um, so during the actual presentation itself, I heard um, one of you mention that um, our role as a commission, once this happens, could be like leading some of that youth programming and stuff like that. How do you see us like starting to plan that or starting to like engage? in kind of this process as a commission, kind of like so we can maybe start thinking about this now um, to like plan for the future. Uh, I think a lot of that depends on what rules need to be followed for you to be engaged in a project like this. Uh, I think that that's, that's part of the unknown on our, our, on our end. I would say the, uh, we wanna work with, and, and, and Commissioner Sue, I actually, I'm glad that you were part of the last one and that you saw things come uh, follow through because it is a commission, it's a governing body like this. We take accountability very, very seriously. Like we're not, we don't want to just go through the motion. So if there are times that we are doing things and not following through, we, we do expect you to hold us accountable. Uh, there are public dollars involved in this. And, and so that's, that's really important to us. Um, we would, we'll use whatever system or process will work. We, we're already planning our next you know, we, we want to have youth engagement activities and programming, especially information related to what Aggie Square is going to be before Aggie Square opens. And we're going to do another youth-focused uh, one in the, in the fall semester. We typically do a spring and a fall. Um, so if we can work with the Youth Commission to think about what envision what a fall engagement might look like, and then what systems or structures do you need in place so that you can be engaged in Aggie Square? And if we think about it as a spring and fall, a twice a year engagement, we're willing to work with you on, on helping make that a reality. I just don't know all of the Roberts rules of order that, will re, that, that are required for, uh, for you all to get involved. And I want sure. to just add a little bit because uh, I kind of look at this process as kind of deputizing folks. And uh, so hopefully we can kind of deputize you because we perhaps may not know the best way to do outreach or and and you can talk to other folks at the, at the schools you work with or whatever and get them engaged as we're uh, starting this process and figuring out um, good programming that would resonate with you all and just you know how we can have a community dialogues that really is inclusive so um, I'd love to just work with you on how we can uh, how you can assist us in getting the word out about these opportunities as well so thanks for the question yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciate that, and I'll definitely work um, to figure out like the laws and like stuff like that to make sure that we can continue to be a part of this process because I think it's um, very valuable to have youth input in such like a large project like this, um, especially when like it's going to be um, incorporated and stuff like that. Yeah, thanks for the presentation. Thank you. Thank you to all.
Um, this item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. Our next item is item number three, Youth Advisory Liaison Recruitment and Candidate Selection. Is there a staff presentation? Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you, Sarah. Perfect, thank you for having me. Good evening, commissioners. Thanks for having me tonight and thank you all for being here. I know that some of you are either returning from spring break or going on spring break. So just appreciate you all from being here. Um, I did have a pre uh, PowerPoint presentation. Is that able to be put up? If not, I'm okay to just continue with my narrative. There it is. We could move on to the next slide. That would be perfect. To talk a little bit about the goal. So the goal for tonight's presentation it's to receive feedback regarding the recruitment, met recruitment methodology, target location organizations, and desirable qualifications in the youth advisor liaison applicants. You should have all received the staff report. And some of you all sat in last, uh, late 2022, I guess that would be a December, where we kind of <clears throat> gave feedback to the city council regarding this position. Um, so Hopefully you all read the staff report, but I'm just gonna give you a, a brief overview here. Next slide, please. So as many of you know, city council has recommended a new position within the city called the youth liaison or the youth advisory liaison. The intent of this position is to further elevate the voice of the city's youth by providing a direct channel between the youth and the city council. The youth liaison will have a seat on the dais and attend regularly scheduled city council meetings to be available to provide real-time advice to the council on matters relating to youth. The Youth Advisory Liaison will be a non-voting member of the council, but will have a seat in a platform to elevate Sacramento's youth voice. Next slide, please. So I'm gonna take some time to go over the history of the position um, and the, the position implementation before I turn it over to you all for discussion and feedback, because that's the most important part of this presentation is really the feedback that you all have, because there are four basic areas that we're looking for. Um, and so you'll see those and we'll just kind of take that feedback. So in August, the city council directed staff to research the viability of a youth advisory position to the city council to further explore, explore ways to empower youth and bring their voice to council for discussion. In November, the City Council directed FYC um, to review a proposal for the youth advisory position and report back with recommendation. Following that directive, a resolution was drafted. I apologize, I used an acronym without explaining FYC, Sacramento Youth Commission. So in December, the City Council adopted a resolution which has been provided in your staff report directing the City Manager's Office to establish the position and begin creating a process for selection. To find the right person, City Council has directed that the City Manager's Office involve Sacramento Youth Commission in assisting with this process. Therefore, I'm here tonight to listen and receive feedback as you uh, may have regarding recruitment and qualifications. Next slide, please. So specifically, we're looking um, for input on the following topics, not me, City Council, excuse me. Um, we're looking for recruitment methods. That's going to be website posting, social media, stuff like that. Uh, locations of recruitment, so what campuses, maybe some special events, community centers. Ideas regarding target organizations, so the student groups, so on and so forth. And qualifications you believe are important for the liaison to possess. So at this point, I'll stop talking and I'm going to turn it over to you all commissioners for discussion and feedback, specifically regarding those four key points that were made up there on the slide. Um, 
And if there are any questions, I'm happy to take them. Thank you. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any public comment speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. All right, cool. Um, any commissioners wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Segura. Okay. Um, first of all, I would like to say that I think that this position is very important for um, the city to have that amplification of youth voice and a better and centered understanding of the laws that are permeating within the city. Um, so in regards to candidate qualifications, I think that just a general basic understanding of the laws and council workings, so that way um, every two years when a new term starts and a new liaison is um, coming in, it doesn't involve like a heavy training process. They would have like a, at least a general basic understanding of, okay, this is how meetings work. This is what I should do in regards to each position. Um, so like... <laughs> to have that basic understanding. Um, I think that would help out like major, majorly um, in this decision-making as well as um, I guess some basic background training within like neutrality um, and leadership. So whether that be within a club at their school or um, like just like ASB or like within the community them itself, like they've partaken in like general groups of things where they have had that amplification voice where they've been able to understand how that works. And I think that it's also important to um, consider diversity within this so that way you're not, you're having somebody who can represent a majority of youth voices within the city rather than just one specific group. So that way everyone feels that their voice is heard. Cool, uh, Commissioner Bizrat. Um, alongside what Commissioner Segura said, I think that making the qualifications clear for this role is incredibly important. Um, just making the duties of what this person will be doing um, very explicit so that there are no um, like wrong things that might be not taken into consideration for those who will be interested in this. Um, what Commissioner Segura said is very important. I think someone with um, good understanding of what the workings of the council is is really important, whether that be through experience or just research alone. Um, in regards to recruitment methods, I think that since youth is in school, like trying to reach out to um, potential students through school would be most beneficial. Um, I know that there are a lot of students who aren't aware of a lot of the opportunities here at City Hall. Um, so pushing to make sure that maybe certain posters or flyers can be posted around campuses. Um, maybe teachers can be talking about these kind of opportunities, specifically this one. Um, I mean, you have all of us commissioners who are attending all of these high schools um, throughout the city, so we could also be a point of um, reference for those who will be interested in this. So, yeah. Commissioner Bergen. Uh, I, def I definitely agree that, cam that campuses are, are a good idea to, um, to recruit at. Um, considering, some, considering some clubs, like some ASB clubs and, and like key clubs, uh, use social media such as such as Instagram to advertise like their events I think 
I think like using uh, using those types of apps to uh, as a recruitment method would would be the best idea since the, uh, since those who may already been a, be in a leadership type club will will likely see it due to already having the app. So yeah, that's my two cents. Commissioner Patel. I agree with um, what the other commissioners have said. I also think that um, specifically targeting or um, making this opportunity accessible to people who are in certain clubs at school or who are already leaders at their school and are genuinely passionate about the work that um, the city of Sacramento is doing and kind of enhancing the youth voice is really important. I also think that we could specifically reach out to these clubs within schools. I know a lot of different clubs have communication methods such as posting on like Google Classroom or apps such as Remind. And I agree that social media is um, very important. So I think that those tools should definitely be utilized. Commissioner Mukadar. I agree with all the other commissioners, and I also believe a good way to make this available to everyone and let everyone be informed is allowing schools and informing schools of it and using platforms such as Instagram and other platforms and teachers be able to post things on their school accounts and Google Classrooms and et cetera. Cool. Um, any other commissioners? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give my stuff now. Um, from my understanding, I think it's, is it still um, 16 to 22, Sarah? That is the part of the resolution that I believe should be attached in your, um, in your staff report. There was some questions about the 16 to 18 year olds and where that was going to be able to go. But right now, I believe it's involved. It's included in the resolution. Okay, cool. And if I if I could um, on that, what's the next step is is going to be uh, PMP, and so they're going to be looking at that whole range. But to the extent that the commissioners have any input, any opinion on the uh, age range, now would be the time to to put that in because it is as of yet uh, indetermined. Okay. Okay, for sure. Um, so I guess I'll go to that first. I do think that it's very important that we involve or we allow for youth ages 16 to 22 to have this opportunity. Um, I do understand that it is like a more of, it's, it's something that's going to take a lot of hours. Um, and I think that's why there's like a larger stipend attached to this and why there's going to be um, a more like a s extensive um, recruitment process. But I still do think that high schoolers will have the capability to step into the leadership position. And I don't think that if legally it's possible, we should be cutting it off at like after high school or like 18 or whatever, um, just because, because I think that, um, I mean, all of us understand that youth voice is important and cutting it off arbitrarily um, at 18 when we could still have um, legally 16 um, year olds, I think that it's, it just doesn't really make sense. Um, Going back to what Commissioner Segura said um, in her first comment, I think that there was a provision or like a requirement 
um, as a part of the recruitment process that um, all the applicants had to have like gone to like a youth commission meeting or like a city council meeting or something like that to like have like documented on their stuff. So I think that's like part of the way where we're gonna guarantee that they have like this like civic engagement experience. Um, yeah, and I think that a lot of what people have said already has been like outreaching to like high school students, but I think that um, because this is an opportunity that's going to require more work, it may be less attractive to high school students. So um, I think that advertising at places like um, Sac City, Sac State and stuff like that so that we can have um, possibly um, younger college students engaged in this opportunity as well is gonna be um, a key part of like getting um, a qualified and diverse candidate pool. Um, yeah, I mean, and then talking to like for high school specifically, obviously I don't know about college, um, but like I think ASB is a really big one and having then ASB like project it to the entire school. Um, yeah, okay, other commissioners, um, Commissioner Segura. Yeah, I completely agree with Vice Chair Sue about um, not cutting it off at 18 to 24. Um, I think that it's important to include younger people not only um, because of the issue of a lot of 18 year olds are th um, and beyond are thinking about going on to more four year colleges and expanding their reach beyond Sacramento. Um, so engaging with younger audi um, audiences who are still within high school, especially with those that two year age group um, can help to ensure that the, that the liaison, uh, sorry, <laughs> the liaison isn't, um, I guess, leaving halfway through their term. But then alongside that, um, if you do end up having somebody in the 16 um, to 22 age group, a lot of those high schoolers are able to interact better with a um, more, ex like um, with a larger audience of um, younger voices, youth voices, especially since they are in that setting where they are supposed to interact with their peers. It's like basically like ingrained into the workings of every high school where you have to um, have conversations with your peers, you work with them with group projects, you see them at lunch. Whereas college settings, not so much, like there isn't really, it's like there's more independent workings with those. So having that extensive age group um, range, even if um, that like high schoolers aren't necessarily chosen when the final decision is making, leaving it open to those gives the opportunity to have a more extensive reach for the liaison to be able to um, participate in. Commissioner Morley. Um, so I just wanted to say in terms of trying to find as many youth as possible to apply to this position, I feel like it's very important that we reach out to um, lots of adult leaders that lead a lot of um, youth organizations in Sacramento, such as like Summer at City Hall or YPC, that kind of thing. So you can email these um, other kids that have civic engagement experience and let them know that there's this amazing role and, you know, obviously like indicate there's going to be like lots of hours. It's very, you know, like you're going to like take on this big leadership role, but it's very important that we try to include um, other groups um, and not just, well, I mean, I do believe that um, advertising to um, the districts like, you know, um, City of Sacramento um, for ASB to um, promote and that kind of thing is very important, but also I believe um, just trying to involve Summer City Hall um, participants will be very important in this process. Thank you. Commissioner Bizarat. Um, I agree with Commissioner Segura in the fact that um, extending the age range from 16 to 22 would be really beneficial, especially um, when taking into consideration how 
um, this position would be displaying to the youth how their civic engagement is incredibly important and making the cutoff at 18 would kind of, um, I think, give some younger minds the like idea that maybe they're a little too young to have a voice in such a high profile position as um, like sitting here in City Hall with all of the um, adult commissioners um, or council members. Um, so I think that decreasing it to decreasing the age limit to 16 would be really beneficial, especially since I mean the majority of the council, all of the council members or commissioners here are under or at 18 years of age. So um, there are a lot of brilliant minds who um, can definitely provide a lot of um, really insightful advice or a counsel to the council members when they are making certain decisions. And um, making it open for a larger and younger age range would um, help portray the idea that um, cultivating civic engagement and um, making sure that the youth is involved in what directly affects them legally is incredibly important. Any other commissioners? Okay. Um, I understand that this item was tabled maybe a month or a month and a half ago at the actual city council because uh, new council members um, wanted more time to discuss it. Um, but I'd like to urge the city council to continue with the youth advisory liaison position. I think that it's a very valuable position that's going to bring a lot of perspectives into um, the council chambers that would not be there um, otherwise. I understand that some, there's like some opposition that maybe like the youth commission should be doing this type of stuff, but I think that um, we often don't have the capacity to be making these kinds of like in-depth recommendations to every single item um, that the youth advisory liaison would have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, next item. Item number three, shoot, number four. Okay, um, selection of a chair and vice chair for the calendar year 2023. Clerk, are there any speakers on this before we move on to nominations and discussion? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who would like to make a comment or nominate themselves for either chair or vice chair? Commissioner Segura? Uh, I'd like to nominate myself for the vice chair position in regards to, I feel that I've had a um, prominent amount of experience within this council over the past about um, year-ish um, to be able to adequately uh, place myself within the role. Anyone else? Um, I'd like to nominate myself for chair. I think that um, I've been on the commission since like middle of sophomore year, um, and I've had a lot of experience engaging um, with this commission, working with the people who come to present to us, working with the other commissioners as new ones come on and old ones leave. And I think that this commission has a lot of potential to make a lot of really great change inside of the city. We have all of the correct people 
we have all of the correct adult allies, and I think that we just really need to bring it together um, and find like um, a focus so that we can really make a positive impact for the youth um, inside of the city. And I think that just all comes down to us putting in that individual work um, and being dedicated to what we actually want to do and having that type of that type of focus so we can actually make a change. Um, is there a motion and a second for chair and vice chair and nominations? I motion. I second that motion. I have a motion by Commissioner. But, oh. Sorry, Chair, to interrupt you. Um, just to clarify, I defer to the CAO, but um, Miller Segura, sorry, um, you motioned, so all we need is a second, and then you also motioned for you to be chair, so you would need a second. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll take one. We'll take one. Thank you. Okay. So, um, a motion for Commissioner Segura as the vice chair. Um, we'll do that first. I second the motion. Cool. Um, have a motioner by Commissioner Sue and a second by Commissioner Bizrat. Um, should I, do I make the motion for myself? <laughs> You've already made the motion, so what I can do is I can take the roll right now, or we can make the second for the chair and then do an entire roll call vote. Okay, we'll do a vote on one position and then we'll go. Absolutely. Thank you, Chair. Um, sorry, Commissioner Bisrat? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fitt? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fong is absent. Commissioner Miller Segra? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Morley? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mukadar? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Obolu is absent. Commissioner Patel? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Urban is also absent. Vice Chair Sue? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes, so I do have um, Ms. Commissioner Miller Segura as the Vice Chair, um, and that position will start at the next meeting. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, do I have a second for Commissioner Sue as the chair? Second that motion. Okay, cool. Can we call roll? Yes, Chair, thank you. Commissioner Bisrat? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fitt? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fong is absent. Commissioner Miller-Segra? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Morley? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mukadar? Thank you. Commissioner Obolu is absent. Commissioner Patel? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Urban is absent. Vice Chair Sue? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes, so now you are Chair Sue at the beginning of next. Cool. At the next meeting, I'm sorry. Thank you. Cool. Um, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone. Um, I think that this group especially has, like I said already, we have a lot of potential and we have a lot, um, we have a lot of new commissioners, but I think with that comes a new perspective and something new that we can bring um, to the city. So I think it's, it's a really great fresh start. Um, okay, uh, next item is the summer at City Hall. Is there a staff presentation?
Yes, there is. So thank you, um, Vice Chair Sue and fellow commissioners for the opportunity to present on Summer at City Hall. The Summer at City Hall is um, umbrellaed under the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Youth Division, um, as well as a component of the Civic Engagement Unit. So the Summer at City Hall is a six-week intensive program. Um, it begins on June 19th and concludes on August 2nd. Um, within the program, there is opportunity for um, interactive classroom sessions. We have off-site um, opportunities for exploration, the federal courthouse. We'll be visiting the state capitol, the California Museum um, in activism uh, exhibit will be there. We'll be taking the opportunity to do some college and career um, visits to college campuses as well as have a multitude of presentations on the career ladder opportunities within the city of Sacramento. Um, it is also an opportunity to learn valuable work experience, things that will build your resume, um, as well as earn high school elective credits and a stipend of $500 at the conclusion of the six-week program. Within that time, um, you will have opportunity to create public service announcements. There will be billboards created, as well as a culminating activity of a presentation to Mayor Steinberg and City Council. Um, in order to qualify for the program, uh, applicants must attend high school within one of our three partnering school districts, Sacramento Unified uh, School District, Twin Rivers Unified School District, or Natomas Unified School District. There is a, another opportunity if you are not within one of those partnering districts and you do live in the city limits, you can come into the program as what we call an at-large student and you'll have the opportunity to earn that stipend as well as community service hours. Currently, um, our applications are open from now through um, April 21st, uh, 11.59 p.m., the, the application process will close. Um, on the screen, you will see that we do have our Be On The Lookout. The program is open this year. Um, we're excited to be offering freshmen uh, and sophomores and juniors as well, but freshmen is a new element to the program, and those are the grades that you, you will need to be um, at the time of application. Uh, the Summer at City Hall program is a little bit over 12 years old at this point, and probably close to 700 plus students have graduated from the program. Um, there's life skills workshops and career workshops, as I said, many, many opportunities to develop those transferable skills that can transfer from um, many different career opportunities. So I'm looking forward to having this new year. We are in person this year, full. Um, the last couple of years, since 2019, we have kind of um, teetered between being a virtual program and then last year we were a hybrid program so we had virtual as well as in-person programming but this year we're really excited about being able to be totally in person bring our presentations to us live and have an opportunity to really really build experience for young people in the city of Sacramento so if there are any questions I'm open to take questions about summer at City Hall thank you Rhonda um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any public speakers in chambers. Thank you. All right. Um, any commissioners who would like to speak on this item? Commissioner Segura. Um, in recruitment for this, is this an applicative um, process, um, or is it like if you if you apply to get in, you get in, or is it more exclusive? Sorry. 
So there is an application process. Once you complete your application, it does go to our um, our city staff, who is our coordinator of the Summit City Hall program. Depending on your district, your application is then forwarded to your district, and the district's uh, liaisons that we work with will then do set up the interview appointment with you, and then make sure that you qualify. Um, make sure that you know your your grades are there, your expectation for summer school is not there, that you have opportunity and time to complete that six hour, I mean, excuse me, that six week programming. Um, if you are an at-large student, then your application would come directly to um, the program staff and then your interview would be set up through us. Hmm? Commissioner Morley. Um, firstly, I just wanted to thank you for presenting on Summer at City Hall. Um, I know as a participant, it was a very nice um, interactive experience that I went through. Um, I was just curious, I had a question about um, one of the activities you mentioned about college visits. Um, I was just curious, Ms. Rhonda, if um, this is like a new element that you guys are just adding this year or? Yes, um, so beca because we have been um, a virtual hybrid program for the last couple of years since 2019, we had not had the opportunity for those offsite experiences. So this year we're really excited about that as well. We're able to offer those opportunities. We're able to partner with um, Folsom Cordova Transportation, make sure that we have um, buses available so that we can provide those opportunities for students coming this year. So we are excited about that. Thanks for asking that. Commissioner McAdar. I just want to say thank you. And as an applicant or um, someone who was at City Summer at City Hall last summer, I was wondering how you guys are working to um, come back from COVID because I know there was a lot of Zoom and hybrid um, meetings with the Summer at City Hall. How are you guys working to kind of slowly come back from that and make it more like improve from that? I'm sorry. I'm not really sure. Her. How are you guys working f to come back from hybrid and Zoom and make it like more better? Your question is how, what work are we doing to come back from the hybrid program? So what we're doing at this point is really, really being intentional um, about aligning our programming with, with the responses that we had from our um, post-survey. So we really did take the opportunity to review those surveys that you all, uh, the previous participants completed. Um, we did it as a team, we did it individually, we came back to the table and said, these are the things that the young people want from us. And so we really were more intentional with our curriculum. We do have three credential teachers, one from each of our partnering districts um, who implement our academic component in the morning. And so we really did sit down at the table with them. We sat down at the table with our recreation general supervisor and made sure that we were aligning our programming to what students wanted, what their interest levels were. Commissioner Bizrat. Um, I know as a former participant of Summer at City Hall, um, I was mainly appealed to the program by um, the opportunity to bring light to a issue that we saw in our respective communities. And I was just wondering whether um, participants in, um, during this session will be able to choose what they want to focus on in their um, PSAs and their billboards or will they be pre-selected for them? Um, we will have a broader opportunity to 
make a selection on what the topics will be that each of our link crews will be working on. Um, one of the things I did not say, participants are, once they're in, involved in the program, they are then, um, we do establish grouping. So they're considered a link crew. They have a returning youth, which works as a mentor. And a returning youth is a youth that completed the program previously. Um, and then comes back to be a support to the other youth who are new participants. So we are working um, with other city staff who actually support us in helping to provide that list of, of, of um, possible topics. But we are always open to suggestions from the youth. This year we really want to see that list grow and we want to see more opportunities. We want youth to bring to the table what do they think is important. And then we can figure out how to structure a program around what their needs are. Any other commissioners? All right, um, this item is information only, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. Item number six is the City of Sacramento Office of Youth Development. Is there a staff presentation? Hi, commissioners. My name is Laura Littlefield. I am with the Office of Youth Development. I am a city employee. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with y'all um, this evening. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, Rhonda and Dominique and Sarah for helping facilitate this opportunity as well. Um, how do I find this? Awesome, thank you. So I'm here um, this evening to provide you with an introduction to the Office of Youth Development, the team that I work on. Um, so I just wanted to start with our vision and our mission. Our vision is that all young people, regardless of background, are provided the highest quality youth development experiences. To better ensure these experiences result in positive outcomes, the city and its partners strive to provide youth with programs and services that integrate research-based youth development supports, opportunities, and social justice principles while centering the youth mantra, nothing about us without us. Um, we are charged with refining, developing, and promoting the city's overall strategic vision to achieve citywide youth development goals in accord with the youth plan. So um, I hope you see some overlap here between our vision, our mission, and the mission of your body. Because um, that is really my goal, is um, to have this be the first of many conversations um, about the work that we do, the work that you do, how it intersects, and how it can enhance each other. So just a brief timeline of my um, team. In fiscal year 18, uh, City Council unanimously adopted the youth plan. In fiscal year 19, the first youth develop, development policy manager was selected and hired. Um, in fiscal year 21, uh, City Council approved four staff positions for the Office of Youth Development. I am one of those staff positions. And then in fiscal year 23, um, our final staff position was filled. Uh, my colleague will be starting next week, and that is the final position um, on our team. So we're a relatively small group. Um, my role specifically within the team 
is um, with grant making. I am the grants administration and management analyst. So it's my role essentially to um, help the city to direct um, taxpayer funds towards youth and children serving organizations um, that serve families that either live or go to school within um, the city limits of Sacramento. And so um, these are the core philosophies that we um, really focus our grant making efforts around. The first is youth voice, as you'll see. Um, that's also key to the youth plan that I uh, referenced earlier. And again, that's really why I'm here. I'm interested in engaging with um, y'all to figure out better ways to incorporate youth voice, not only specifically um, with this commission, but also generally um, Sacramento youth. Um, a second philosophy that we uh, really strive to infuse all of our grant uh, programs with is trust-based grant making. Um, this ties in um, very much uh, with the idea of nothing about us without us, um, but instead of the focus being on youth, the focus would be on those organizations um, whose programs and services um, target youth. So that's the way in which it's slightly different from the youth voice piece, is that we're also looking to build that trust um, with those organizations that are providing services. CQI, I apologize uh, for the acronym, that is Continuous Quality Improvement. Um, as you might imagine, um, that suggests a cycle where um, we do research, um, we make decisions based on that uh, research, we implement um, a plan, and then we gather data, and we go back to the drawing table, and we implement changes, again, based on research and data, and the whole cycle starts again. So we're interested in that not only internally for our team, internally for the city's um, youth development programming, but also um, for those organizations that we engage with, and of course, the youth programming that's available to Sacramento youth. <clears throat> Another core philosophy is that our processes are grantee-driven. Our um, research phase of our programs always include listening sessions, focus groups, surveys, those types of um, activities to try and um, gather input from our grantees, uh, which our grantees are normally organizations, as I said, doing work um, for um, and with youth. <clears throat> Another uh, core philosophy is equity. We are, as a team, really interested in infusing all of our programming and all of our services um, with a lens towards both racial and uh, gender equity. And that's where a lot of our research phase is typically focused. Um, another philosophy we care deeply about is peer learning. Um, our most recent um, opportunity that we actually just announced recently, the, our list of grantees for the Organizational Resiliency Fund, um, that is built almost in, um, with um, peer learning at its core. Um, it will be a cohort of grantees that will go through um, various capacity building activities together and really leveraging um, that idea of networking with peers and learning what's working um, 
with other organizations, maybe getting ideas for um, different ways to modify their programs based on what's uh, working or not working um, amongst their peer group. And then last, um, we also really want to center our programs around relationship building. And again, um, that definitely falls in line with why I'm here today. So building relationships not only with um, the youth that um, are served by the programs that we fund, um, not only with the youth that are served by the city's youth development programs, um, but also those the organizations themselves and uh, youth leaders who um, can help us improve our um, services, improve our offerings um, to better serve, serve um, youth and children uh, in Sacramento. So far, um, the focus of my team's work has been grants. Um, as I said, we make grants to community-based organizations who serve children, youth, and their families. Um, some of the programs that we have done, um, SAC, SAC Youth Works, um, specifically focus on workforce development um, programming. Pop-ups and SAC Town Youth Nights um, is a program that offers free events um, throughout Sacramento, um, nights and weekends for youth. And then SYDPF, um, I apologize, another acronym, that's the Sacramento Youth Development Plan Fund. This um, pot of funding um, came out directly from the youth plan that I mentioned before. Once that youth plan was um, established, we um, provided grants to um, community-based organizations whose um, programs aligned well with the youth plan. Um, and so we invested um, in those um, program, those organizations to demonstrate that their programs were of high quality. Um, we've also been coordinating um, city teams that work in youth development. So um, there's a number of city departments, police, fire, library, YPSI, of course, that have um, programs that directly engage with youth. So we are sort of um, a hub. We call ourselves the big three, even though there's more than three um, departments within the city who work with um, youth development. But we work together to make sure that our, uh, that we're understanding uh, what each piece of the puzzle is doing and how they all fit together. Um, we have also drafted a continuous quality improvement toolkit for um, those community-based organizations with which we work. Um, this toolkit will help them to infuse their um, planning processes, the way that they um, collect and synthesize data, the way that they use that data to update um, and make changes to their services and programs. Um, we've pro we're providing a toolkit to them to help them figure out exactly how to do that. And then last, um, we're drafting a grant-making policy. The city has a citywide um, grant distribution policy um, that we are contributing to through a grant managers uh, group, of which I'm part of this, uh, the steering committee for that. That group. Um, draws grant makers from across the city into a common space where we can talk about um, what grant making looks like um, at the city and how we can work together to make improvements in that space. 
And so um, part of that is to um, continue drafting that grant distribution policy, as well as an internal policy for my team um, to guide our efforts um, separate from the rest of the city as well. So um, that concludes the information I wanted to bring to you. And um, what I'm really hoping, as I said, is for this to be the first of many conversations. And really what I'd like to um, explore with this group is opportunities for collaboration, co-powering, or advising um, so that we can um, get some youth voice into all stages of our grant making um, process. Um, from research and development all the way through to reviewing and awarding applications. So um, with that, I'll stop and see if you guys have any responses. Thank you for the presentation. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who have their hands raised? Yes, sure, I do. Um, I have one speaker in Zoom calling user number one. Yes, my name is Lambert, and uh, I follow anything to do with Yipsy. I follow everything at City Hall, but I really follow the youth because I'm a native from Del Paso Heights, where we pay taxes and property taxes and all of the things I've heard tonight. But that money doesn't seem to trickle down to our youth in Del Paso Heights. So this, what I have to say is to the youth commissioners, if you're a youth commissioner, you listen to what I say to you. I learned long time ago, if you study too long, you're studying wrong. You pay attention to what presentation was just made and study what happens when, you, when they finish talking because everything can be studied through graphs and surveys, and even those can be skewered towards a hidden agenda. So you stay alert and hold people accountable, because there are certain practices in this city that have been highlighted for decades. It's called gerrymandering. Study that. Study what it means to have restrictive covenants where you can't, your, my parents and grandparents couldn't buy homes because of that practice. And whenever people count heavily on acronyms, that's because they don't want you to know what that means. So stay alert, youth. You're the future, and you need somebody like me to keep you enlightened on what's around you because there's a lot of deception at City Hall, and it's very cruel to black people. Thank you. Thank you for your comment, Mr. Davis. Um, Chair, I do not have any other speakers with their hands raised. Thank you. Thank you, Clerk. Are there any commissioners who would like to speak on this item? Uh, Commissioner Morley. Um, I just wanted to firstly thank you for your presentation. Um, I really like that pop-ups um, are included, which um, are like positive events for youth or targeting youth mainly. Um, as someone that you know lives in, I 
let's say is considered like a low income area of Sacramento, um, South Sacramento. Um, going to pop-ups these past few years before COVID has been amazing. And I'm just glad that it's being maintained um, after COVID. So it's like brought back because I kind of was wondering um, what happened to them. Um, I just feel like it's definitely very important in many communities. It's um, it's a positive place for youth to be and you don't have to worry about anyone getting into trouble. There's always like a bunch of amazing opportunities like free food vouchers or other great things and music and stuff. So I really thank you for that. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Okay, cool. Um, thank you for the presentation. Um, I hope that this dialogue can continue and we can um, find ways to continue to have youth feedback um, in this very important like grant making process and having um, youth putting input into what's going back into the youth. And I think that's a really important idea. Um, so thank you for coming to present. Um, okay. Um, this item is information only, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. The next item is commission ideas, questions, comments. Um, basically, same thing as last time. Um, we'll go around, basically talk about what you've been doing um, to uplift youth voice recently in the past month, um, any like civic engagement activities or opportunities that you've had and you feel um, would be good to share with everyone here and your fellow commissioners. Uh, Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, starting with Commissioner Bisrat. Um, mainly the work that, excuse me, mainly the work I've been doing for this past month has been um, on campus at my school. Um, now that this school year is close to coming to a close, um, there are new representatives that will be um, needed to be chosen, especially for student body or um, boards for certain clubs that I'm a part of. So conducting meetings and making sure that um, the leaders in our school are going to be good and ready to continue like leaving a good impact um, for our student body. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen. Uh, not too much has been going on. Uh, I did recently get into a, into a volunteer thing. Uh, it's in the, it's in the summer, but it's still volunteer. Uh, let's see. And yeah. Thank you, Commissioner Fit. Um, <clears throat> in school, um, I'm an ASB, and we're working on a wellness fair um, in May. And I've been helping come up with ideas on how to like engage the students and come up with ideas on how to keep keep them involved and talk about mental health and how they're feeling um, at school and with the things going on in their personal lives. Thank you. Commissioner Fong is absent. Commissioner Miller-Segra. Uh, within my campus, um, me and a few other students are working on a uh, on amending uh, dress code policies within our school's dress code to make it more gender um, uh, neutral and ensuring that no student feels unsafe on campus, um, especially with a uh, teacher and staff um, ways of the dress code of dress coding so that they don't feel uncomfortable or, or that they're being unfairly called out. Um, al alongside that with the Sacramento Advisory Council, 
uh, we've met with the 504 coordinator of the district to work on um, putting psychiatrists on campus so if, um, to help better the 504 uh, <laughs> aspects on campus, making sure that students are able to access those and have the accessibility um, <laughs> and, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on the words, but yeah, on so that they way that they're able to be represented on campus fairly and being able to use their voices when they feel that they aren't comfortable on certain aspects or that they need assistance. Thank you. Commissioner Morley. Um, my bad. So um, this past month, I've been really just trying to navigate my way through with it being junior and all and the school year is about to end. Um, but I found comfort in being, you know, taking on um, a bigger leadership role in my Black Student Union um, as vice president and as creative director. Um, we were able to throw a 90s throwback dance. A lot of um, our members wanted to do that. So we threw a dance and we were able to provide a positive, nonviolent, um, you know, event for kids on a Friday night, and I feel like we need more of that. So I was very happy to see a lot of my peers show up from school, and they all had a good time, and there was great memories created, so it made me very proud to do that. Amazing. Um, Commissioner Mukadar? This month has been a little busy with school and everything, but so far what I've been doing is, as student ambassador, um, I've been working with my coworkers and my, my program manager to work with ways of making the program more accessible and interesting to students after school and creating new programs and kind of seeing what students want more and what ways we can get students more engaged after school. Thank you. Commissioner Bolu is currently absent. Commissioner Patel. Um, something that I've been doing this month is as part of my school district student advisory committee um, is participating in events such as our superintendent search and our multicultural forum. So kind of just providing the students input and making sure that youth are heard. Um, and we had the opportunity to explain what we wanted to see in our next superintendent, which was a unique opportunity. And so, yeah, really just making sure that your voices are heard, um, especially when it comes to positions of power, and that also a diverse group of students that represents our district is heard as well. Amazing. Commissioner Irvin is absent. I have Vice Chair Sue. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I've been working with, um, like Commissioner Segura said, um, us and three other people from West have been working to redo the dress code. Um, and yeah, she basically covered all that, but I've been doing that too. Um, also working with the Sacramento Tree Foundation. I know I said this last time, but we're trying to plant trees in the quad and we like can't find a truck to get the trees there and then we have to like figure out like who's gonna plant them and stuff like that because we thought that they were gonna plant them for us but apparently now we have to plant them ourselves. So um, that's like a whole thing um, that I have to deal with but hopefully they'll get in um, by the end of, by, before the end of the year um, so that yeah, they can um, start to grow and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but those, those are the things that I've been doing. Um, 
Thank you, commissioners. Our final item is public comment matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to comment? Yes, thank you, Chair. I do have one um, hand raised in Zoom, Mr. Davis. Yes, this is Lambert again, and I I want to send a shout-out to the youth uh, because I'm going to give you an example of in spite of institutionalized and systemic racist practices, our family-owned cheesecake business went viral because of the youth. Now, most races and most people in both sexes like cheesecake, so you would figure City Hall would be reaching out to us. We're from an underserved community. And so I'm trying to enlighten you youth. Why do you think they're not reaching out? I'm not looking for an answer. I'm trying to put that in your mind. But we went viral in another state. We also went viral in the Bay Area. I'm a baby boomer. I don't even understand e-commerce. But my Family members and young people like you who know those computers made me sit down and I learned from you on how to go viral by linking to our website. In spite of all the racism that we've experienced when we've submitted paperwork to City Hall, the problem is that uh, you can do what's called documentation and, and create a case study. But you have to have a lot of courage to do that. And we got plenty of courage coming from Del Paso Heights. So I wish you young people well. But study those terms I told you about. Because then you'll be able to understand someone like me. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I do not have any other speakers with their hands raised. Thank you. Thank you, Clerk. Um, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. This meeting is adjourned at 739.